0: If you can show up in the world in a way that you are relentlessly standing in the service of others, all of your own fears and inadequacies and self-doubts, they fall away. You know, people spend too much time thinking, am I qualified? And what they should be thinking of is, who can I help? You only feel shame and self-doubt and fear when you're thinking about yourself. But there is no fear when the mission to serve is clear.
1: Welcome to
0: Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia.
1: For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results, I am so pumped to share this inspiring interview with partner and friend Rory Vaden, and we are interviewing him in the same week that he's on the cover of Success Magazine. We are honored. And Rory is exactly that, a success world-leading expert on psychology of ultra-performance, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times best-selling author. He wrote Take the Stairs and Procrastinate on Purpose. His leadership insights have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Entrepreneur, Inc., Fox News, National. This guy has done a lot, and yet he's just getting started. This man has mastered the pivot. Today I'm going to be asking him what it takes to achieve so much in such a short amount of time. We're going to dig into ultra performance and success habits and we'll talk about the times Roy missed the mark. Let's get into it. So excited to have you today with us, Rory Vaden. We are honored to uh, sit down and have this conversation with you both about your journey and the journey that you've taken so many others on and talk a little bit about some of the success habits that you've seen both in your life and through your client's life. So thank you so much and uh, welcome to Pivot Me.
0: Yeah, thank you, April. I'm 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 loving being here and seeing you do your thing and you're impacting people. And I, I'm just uh, honored to run a few plays for you today. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So Rory and I got connected. It was probably about Well, about two years ago now with uh, his and his wife, AJ's company, Brand Builders Group, we reached out to them for some personal branding. So I came from the corporate space and had to learn everything there was about personal branding. And you and your team have taught us all about that, both me and my team, and just understanding the importance of personal branding. I'd actually like us to touch on that here real quick um, as that's how we've got connected. And it's been, uh, you know, I'm just going to give you guys a shout out. It has been instrumental in both the pivot Me brand and what we were doing in the digital space, even in the coaching space. It has really highlighted the need for us sharing, for me sharing my story and the backstory and really connecting with my audience and with my listeners and my people in such a more deep and profound way. Ultimately, we're here to create impact. And having the personal brand and the work that we did with you guys was a huge piece of that. So thank you for for doing that kind of work, Rory.
0: Well, you're welcome. I mean, I I love it. And and I would say, you know, it's been fun to work with you. You know, coming more from the corporate space. And I would say, so one of the things that we just did, which you you haven't even seen because it's not public yet, is um, we spent about six months conducting an independent nationwide research study, and we hired this independent uh, research firm to actually study the trends around personal branding. And specifically, we looked at some things in the corporate market because, um, you know, you of course, personal brands make sense for coaches and consultants and speakers and authors and influencers. But what we noticed was that people like you and uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs and uh, financial advisors and real estate agents and all these people who were not influencers in the like, you know, influencer kind of way you would think about it started showing up as clients. And so we actually went out to study it. And we the the data on this is so compelling. So this was a, a statistically valid study, weighted to the U.S. Census Bureau. You know, um, it, it's got a plus or minus minus three point one percent margin of error. And one of the one of the the key statistics that came out of of this whole thing is that sixty seven percent. This was a U.S. based study. Okay, so this is just Americans. But sixty seven percent of Americans said. They are willing to spend more money on products and services from the companies that have founders who have a personal brand that aligns with their own personal values. And so what's happening here is this used to be... Personal branding used to kind of be thought of as like vanity or popularity or fame And what it has become is an integral part of the human experience of of building trust. Um, In fact, we asked this question specifically, too, is we said, um, are you more likely to trust someone with a personal brand? Just in general, 74% of Americans say they are more likely to trust someone who has an established personal brand. So this data points to the idea that this isn't just vanity. This is actual strategic business imperatives that drive hardcore ROI and bottom line because it's about trust. And it makes sense. We trust people that we see. We trust people that we learn from. And we trust people who we know intimate details about. And personal branding creates a scalable way for people to do that and so I think, you know, you were early to to understand this and to, and to intuitively sense the direction, which we now have very concrete evidence and data to support.
1: Sure. And it is such a shift if you come from the corporate world, where it's really just facts and figures, you're presenting data, you're focused on results, and all those things obviously are, are huge. Um, the machine doesn't run without them. But but we Undervalued. I personally undervalued the need for a personal brand. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the impact that it would create. So it does affect bottom line. It does affect impact. If you really want to change a business and change a life, when, when we change businesses, we ultimately change the lives of the people that work there and, you know, extension communities. The brand really gets that. It's the, the one thing that was a huge shift for me is, is sharing your personal stories. Mm. You don't do that in corporate America. You don't say, well, this one time I had this story and this is how it impacted me and this is how it's going to impact your ROI. That wasn't really fostered. And so that was a big shift, but um, a well worth it shift. I remember we were... Um, Referencing before we went on, um, someone that we had actually both just had on our podcast, Cameron Herald, and he actually attributes a lot of the success he had with one of the businesses that he grew, 1 800 Got Junk, to his personal brand. So when he was on Pivot Me, he was saying, Hey, I had to, as the COO, I wasn't in the CEO, CEO spot. As the COO, I knew that I had to build a personal brand and that would ultimately help if there was a buyout, if there was a merger, anything that was going to happen with that business's trajectory, my personal brand was huge. And so he's a huge advocate of it. And I thought this is such a good reminder of how important it is, even in the corporate structure.
0: But Well, yeah. And so it's it's huge in the corporate structure. The other thing is one of the things that 1-800-GOT-JUNK did is they got a massive amount of media attention and the, and the way they Got media. One of the ways they get media attention is by having executives who have personal brands and they build relationships with people and members of the media. I mean, it's kind of like, look, if, if you're building any business, you have to have more people know about you. If I don't know about you, I can't buy from you. We all understand that pretty clearly. But you go, how do I get more people to know about me? There's really only a couple ways to get more people to find out about you. One is, Actually, what our background was in the former company we sold, which is selling. You hire a sales team to go out and make sales calls all day, every day. That's, that's the world we came from. The other is advertising. You, you have money and you buy billboards and radio ads and Super Bowl commercials or Facebook ads or like whatever you're doing that tells more people about you. Another is customers, right? Like hopefully you create the ultimate customer experience and people tell yada, 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 but but it's not super predictable. The other way is to take the personal brand of the founders and the executives and to go out and meet people and provide value and teach and share what you know and leverage the, the free tools of the day to create awareness. And that is becoming more and more important, and unless you know, unless you're a venture-backed company and you got millions of dollars to spend and when on on different you know advertising budgets, it's like if you don't have that, you have to have one of the others. Your customers may or may not share, so it really comes down to sales and or personal branding. And we believe the mix is actually both. Like the the the, the aim is to do both. But personal branding is a free thing that you can do at scale for your business, which is what we all need. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and you control it it's uh it's something that you control, so you are um not necessarily at the mercy of the media per se. you get to be very intentional about what you're putting out there and the impact that you're having so yeah. so so personal branding is how we've got connected and second, I want to ask you a little bit about some of um something I've heard you speak about before, kind of these success habits and practices that you've seen you've practiced, but before we get into that. You know, in in the intro I talked about the different things that you've been involved in. Obviously, you know, best-selling author, a world-class speaker, so many different things you're saying about um a sales company in the past and now personal branding company now. One of the things we talk about on pivot me is making these shift, these sort of pivot points in our lives. Mm. So that can be the pivot point could be something that's forced upon us. Like our business gets sold, um, a car accident and we've got, you know, some ch- health challenge or they can be ones where you just said, that's it enough. I'm not doing this again. I'm doing now this, what is the time that you've made this pivot and what what tools, what mindset did you use to make that pivot? I mean, you've done quite a few things. That's got to be a lot of shifts that you had to make internally.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think about sort of the chapters, if you will, of my career, um, I started in direct sales when I was in college. That was a big, you know, I spent five years knocking on doors 14 hours a day, six days a week in my summers. Like that was a huge thing. And then you know, we had these, we hired these motivational speakers to come in, and I saw these speakers. And I'm like, ah, that's what I want to do. So then I left, I joined Toastmasters. I was, I spent a, f- a couple of years, like three years, all in on something called the World Championship of Public Speaking. That was where I really mastered the art of speaking on stage. I came in second place in the world out of 25,000 contestants, but I didn't win. Had I won, I probably would have spent a career teaching people presentation skills but about that time we started our sales training company and we did that for 12 years. It was a a sales coaching company really. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was where I met AJ. We started that business from scratch. We grew it to eight figures. We had about 200 people. Um, and then we sold it unexpectedly very quickly in 2018 and, you know, then couldn't be in that space. And then that's what led us to personal branding. So we have had very dramatic shifts and you know, I would I would say this, yeah, pretty much all of those cases, we actually didn't achieve the thing we were trying to achieve. Mm. You know, direct sales would maybe be the one that's not really true because we or I at that point was pretty much conquering the things that I was, it was aiming for. But, you know, I wanted to win the world championship of public speaking. I came in second. We thought this company that we were building, I mean, I would have had it the logo tattooed on my arm a week before we decided to sell it. I mean, it was a very radical shift. And the thing that I think is in common about that is what we've always done, what I have always done is I have always set out a huge vision for something Mm -hmm. that I'm pursuing like in my life. And people often get caught up in like whether or not the dream comes true. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or they'll say like embrace the journey kind of a thing like, you know, which I, I believe mm-hmm. in both of those things. But the the more accurate way I, I describe it, at least it has been for me, is that I will run. It's like running down a hallway. You know, I see this door at the end of the hallway and mm-hmm. that is like this big vision that seems so impossible. And I just go in a full sprint mm-hmm. down the hallway and I run with as much force into that door and a couple times it has opened, but more often than not, I've bounced off the door. It's been locked and I got, I got to the door, but then it was like, it was shut and I'm going, well, that's a bunch of crap. Like I went all in, I did all the things. I did the self-talk, I did personal development, I did coaching. I worked. And you sacrificed
1: all the other doors you
0: probably passed yeah. along the way to went that door. Went past all these doors, n- nail this door and it's locked and I bounce off. And then as I'm like laying there on the ground going, what the heck just happened? I look to the left and there's a door that is cracked open that you could not see from the beginning of the hallway. Yeah. And I could, you can only see it by standing right in front of the door that you just bounced off. And it's like, oh, this door is wide open. Um, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I just walked through it. And um, you know a good example of that is is uh, you know, a recent example is when we sold the company in 2018. One of the things that I would have preferred not to do was um, sell my social media and my podcast and my email database that I had spent my entire career building. But that it, it wasn't really a choice that I had, and so that happened. Um, and so I'd spent. You know, 15 years of my life building a following and then immediately went to zero. And then we started Brand Builders Group. And one of our clients is this guy, Glenn Sanford, who owns EXP Realty. He's a billionaire. He starts this company. And then last fall, he buys Success Magazine. So he buys Mm -hmm. Success Magazine and then he says, Hey, I think you'd make a great editor. And so it basically puts me in front of the millions of readers and followers and web visitors and social media fans of this platform. So it was like what we had was taken away. It made no sense. And then somehow, you know, through the way that God works, like this weird twist, we basically get handed this huge platform. It's just it's a door that I was I would have never thought, oh, I want to be the editor I don't, I want to be the entrepreneurship editor of success magazine. I never thought that, but then it's like, boom, the door was, the, the door was opened.
1: That is an amazing story. And I love the metaphor of running. The hallway. And you don't see. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. I don't know if you just thought of that real time, but that's that's good. One that other, you, no, I, I did. I it first I thought, on Yeah, I, I,
0: That's right. Um, I, I, but I have not shared that widely. I, I, I recently realized that that was like, gosh, this is a great illustration of, My life has been a series of just like sprinting, boom, bounce Mm -hmm. off this door, fall down, look to the left and the door is open.
1: Yeah. So I love that story. One thing I want to point out there that was so good. So I love the story. But separate from that, there's something that I heard that I want to pull on, which is (laughs) so by just the force of business, it just worked out that you had to give up your social media presence, your podcast or this or that. What I want to ask is, then you open a branding company and you're telling people to have a social media presence and a podcast and all these things that currently from their vantage point, they cannot see you have any of this. <laughs> yeah. Like the courage and boldness to do Like, talk to me about that because that took some guts to be like, oh, you need to do these things. I can't actually show you any of any evidence that I've done this in the past. Mm-hmm. How did you do that?
0: Yeah. Well... Here's how you don't think about yourself. You think about your audience. You only feel shame and self-doubt and fear when you're thinking about yourself. But there is no fear when the mission to serve is clear. When I simply go, there's an April Garcia out there. And you know what she doesn't care about is how many followers Rory Vaden has. You know what she does care about? How does she grow her own following? And if I have something of substance and value to provide to April, if I sit and think about, wow, April needs that, wants that, is ready for that, and not just April, but everybody that April can reach and everyone that April's gonna impact. And I think about those people, yeah, I, I very quickly realize nobody cares. I mean, they they notice, sure, some people have millions of followers, whatever. People don't think spend that much time thinking about us. They, they, they think about themselves. And it's like, if you can show up in the world in a way that you are relentlessly standing in the service of others, all of your own fears and inadequacies and self-doubts, they fall away. You know, people spend too much time thinking, am I qualified? And what they should be thinking of is, who can I help? Mm-hmm. And that's the big shift. But but yeah, I mean, there was definitely some insecurity and doubt around that, especially like you know, our first client was Lewis Howes, which I think is how you met us, right? You heard heard me on Lewis's podcast, right? So Lewis and I had been friends for years. Here's a guy that shows up with millions of followers, you, you know, like hundreds of millions of podcast down- Well, at the time it was tens of millions of podcast downloads. And he's he was our first client. He asked us for help. That's how we started the company. We didn't even plan to start the company. But again, like the door was opened by Lewis. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was Lewis standing in that door going, dude, I need some help. I think you can help me. And again, Lewis did not care how many followers we had.
1: When you sat down at that meeting, Rory was like, did imposter syndrome ride shotgun or had you at this point figured out how to kill that off pretty quickly?
0: I think imposter syndrome when, when somebody like Lewis Howes calls you there is imposter syndrome that shows up even today right I go golly sure. i'm you know I've, I've got the we've got the privilege and honor of speaking so much into this guy's life and platform sure. and personal life like
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: it's it's a it's a it's an amazing thing that he you know grants us so much influence into his life um but again, It's, it's, it goes, you go, if I don't feel like I have value to add, then the imposter syndrome should be there. But, but the reality is like, we're advising him on a number of things we actually know a great deal about. And Mm -hmm. the other thing, too, is, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, it's just a matter of scale, right? So some people have been able to achieve a lot of success in, in one area of their life at scale but several other parts of their life they don't they don't know much about. I mean, I I one of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain and he said each man is my superior in some way. Right? I don't really tell Lewis what he should post on social media because clearly he has a system that has worked incredibly well. But when we look at structuring the business and positioning his brand and and what he's focusing on and not, and how does he make money, and and what he should say no to and yes to. I mean, those are things that you know we we know something about. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just so yes. It, I mean, here's what I would say: imposter syndrome always is there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's always there, and and we we have billionaire clients
1: at every level of success. At I want to emphasize level. this because people think it kind of like it, it goes away. I mean, you get better at handling it, but it never goes away.
0: Yeah. Or you don't get better at handling it and they commit suicide. I mean, like people, this is it, it, high performers all the time. They, or they self-sabotage and they, you know, they go off the deep end, they have affairs and get into drugs and they, I mean, gambling. yeah. Tony Shea. I mean, what a heartbreaking story of like a guy that was so radical and transformative and culture and just, you know, who knows what actually happened, but like, it's, it's a really sad thing. And, and a lot of high achievers are really struggling deep down um, because they're, they're actually achieving many times out of insecurity, not, not out of a foundation of security. And so it's just the, 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 the question to ask is how can I help? How can I help? Like we are at our best when we're just asking, how can I help? How can I be useful? Like who can I, who can I serve? And if you, if you sit in that and you go, if I can help, then allow me to be used. If, if I can't, then, you know, I should do something else.
1: Sure. Sure. Because the thing is, is that something we say a lot is someone out there right now is Googling for answers that are inside your head that you take for granted how easy it is because you've been doing it for years. And so they may be excelling in one point, but they're looking for an answer that you've got. As a business advisor, what I find is, the questions that people ask once the door's shut tend to focus around imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, how this guy's doing it better than I am. And so I like to speak openly on that so people understand that it's, if you're battling with this, this is not something that is flawed in you or a struggle mm-hmm. in you that other people don't have. They have it at all levels, but we talk about how we get over self-sabotage. So the other thing we talk about here, and this is one of the things I want to get into is a success principle. So we, we talked a little bit about how we navigate through some self-sabotaging behaviors and how we, we shift our mindset. You've had a lot of pivot points along the way, but in working with people that you've worked with um, and in your own success what are some of the trends you've seen? So in the past, I've seen you talk about taking extreme ownership, internal versus external locus of control. Talk to me about some of the trends you've noticed in success.
0: Well, to me, the foundation is really covered pretty well in my very first book, which was called Take the Stairs. Yeah. And you know the, that journey started off with a simple question. It was saying the last time that you were in front of an escalator and a set of stairs, did you take the stairs? The answer for most of us is no. Most of us take the escalator. most of us gravitate towards the path of least resistance. Most of us want the shortcut, the hack, the secret, the trick. and yet, as I spent so much of my early career fascinated and studying both academically and and qualitatively the habits of successful people, I found it so radically clear that the story of success is never the escalator. Never, never, not one time. It is always the stairs. It is always the person willing to do the thing that they know they should be doing even when they don't feel like doing them.
1: Which is self-discipline. Which is
0: self-discipline, which is yeah. what, which is what the, the whole Take the Stairs book is all about solving the problem of procrastination and the seven key mental, like psychological distinctions of self-discipline. And that book showed the world how self discipline isn't as hard as we think once we know how to think about it the right way. So, to me, you can't achieve personal success until you get yourself past that point. Now, just doing that alone will get you, you know, in the top whatever, probably 15, 10% of, of any industry. But it's not what will put you in the top 1% per se because self-discipline is not the key to success. It's simply the price of admission. It's just what gets you on the field. It's it's just what gets you in, in the game. Sure. And so then I think with my TED talk and, and that journey that came out around my second book, Procrastinate on Purpose, we identified a simple formula that ultra performers, which are the top 1%ers, and how they think differently from everyone else, that enables them to literally create more time uh, than other people. There is it is possible; it is actually possible to create more time. People mm-hmm. are told our whole life time is the one thing you, you cannot create more of, and that's not true. And we proved it. Um, and that is then about multiplying. So. Those two things together, I would call personal development or influencing yourself. If you can do that, that is the foundation. Then a level up from that is, um, we call these the four levels of influence. So the first level is learning to influence yourself. That's what our first two books are about. One level out from that, these are like concentric circles, right? Would be influencing another person which we would call sales. That was what we spent 12 years doing was teaching ethical persuasion. Well, I would say we taught persuasion. Now we teach, <laughs> today we teach ethical persuasion. When you um, first
1: get into sales, the, the the ethical part isn't necessarily identified.
0: Yeah, and it was, I mean, part of the reason we're so passionate about teaching it today is because we spent a lot, a lot of time wrapped up in a world that ultimately we found ourselves disagreeing with. AJ mm-hmm. and I, personally had a very different set of philosophies and beliefs than a lot of the people we were around, a lot of the industry thought leaders we were around and it just
1: I started in sales too, same thing. And then I trained sales teams and eventually there's this divergence of we're going to leverage some of these things and some of these things fall into a bucket that we're not comfortable with anymore.
0: Exactly. And so that's, you know, that's what we think. But regardless, influencing another human is a critical skill like Mm-hmm. You have to do it with your kids, your spouse. You have to communicate with employees, one-on-one <laughs> communication.
1: We negotiate every day, yeah. every day with all of those people.
0: So that's the second level. Then a level out from that is influencing a, a team of people, right? Mm-hmm. So not just influencing myself or one person, but a small group, a cadre. Um, And this is, the word is leadership, right? Is going, <laughs> how do I activate a group of five or seven or 10 or 12 people to mobilize in a direction. That's leadership, it's teamwork. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I write a lot about that at success because as the entrepreneurship editor, it's, it's a lot about like, okay, we're working with people and, and mobilizing people. Sure. But then a level out from that is going, how do I activate a community, an army of people how do I create legacy and we call that personal branding you could call it marketing you could call it community organizing but it is going i consider my area of study and expertise now around influence the four levels of influence influencing myself another person a small team and a large community you know and i think ultimately people arrive at that destination the more the more successful you are the more you realize Making another dollar, getting another award, you know, getting another recognition is not going to make me fulfilled. At some point, you wake up and go, all I'm doing is moving the goalpost here, and I I achieve it, and then there's another, and there's another, and it's great. You know, I score a touchdown and I feel good for a second, and then it's gone. And and you real you you wake up, you have to wake up with a sobering realization of like. This isn't going to, achievement is not the same as fulfillment. For sure. Achievement's not the same as fulfillment. And so eventually you start asking the questions around legacy. And like, as you know, brand builders, our audience is what we call mission-driven messengers. We're serving people who are more about impact and legacy and, and mission and contribution and reputation, not in lieu of revenue, but we choose reputation over revenue if we have to.
1: Sure. It's more of a train the trainers approach, really. I mean, you're out there influencing the influencers so then they can go out and influence their respective yes. communities and audiences. And that's how you create massive impact.
0: And that's the purpose of our company. Just so you know, like that is why we care about it is like mm. our success is not it, literally our success is dependent upon our client success, right? The more that April Garcia wins, it's like, We are accomplishing our mission. So we are fully aligned with you. And we realize that we could make a much bigger dent in the world working with people like you than we could trying to go reach them ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because again, then it, it, that's how, that's how you create impact. So when I love it, I love it. And I remember, um, when I first got introduced to brand builders group, the concept of mission driven messengers and that language, cause I say contribution focused entrepreneurs. Um, when I first started the podcast, one of the things I did is sort of contrast, if you were, uh, compare and contrast who I used to work with and who I work with now. And I say I, I, I made large companies larger and big rich people, richer. Now I work with contribution focused entrepreneurs. And there is a, it's a big shift from who I was the first half of my career to what I'm going to spend the rest of my career focused on. Interesting. Um, And that's, that's a hard shift to make too. But uh, when you impact the bottom line of, of the people I used to work with, no one's lives really improved. Like they didn't go home to their kids quicker. They didn't make the soccer practices. All the things that I'm super passionate about is this kind of rebalancing of, of life and priorities. That didn't happen. Um, but when you work with sort of these smaller businesses, you saw this. You're, you know, you work with the manufacturer out of British Columbia and now he sees every one of his kids soccer games where he was seeing none of them before. And so that's something I was super passionate about. And mm-hmm. I saw that when I took those skills and applied them in this arena, that happened. So, you know, when we talked about some of the success principles, um, so I heard influence in there. What some of the other things or trends that you've seen, you know, you've studied this a lot. What are some of the other things that you've seen that are trends with success?
0: If I had to like teach my kids one thing and go like, what is a one thing, whether it's influencing yourself, influencing another, influencing a team, or influencing a community, what is the one thing that you must do at all of those places? it comes all the way back to something called the paradox principle of sacrifice so it's in it's in take the stairs i believe it's chapter 2 and it's simply this you learn to leverage long-term vision to endure short-term sacrifice so people the amount of our endurance is directly proportionate to the clarity of our vision so if I have a crystal clear vision of, of of something that I want, you know, you see my house behind me, right? This was a this was something that we worked for 12 years to save up for, right? That at one point in my life, that was a vision. Winning the world championship was a vision, having a book on the shelf with a New York Times best-selling author. Th- those, those are visions. So if you have a clear picture of what you want, then there is a naturally strong connection how the sacrifices you're asking yourself to make today forward you towards a future. So it creates this context for action to happen. And your discipline engages automatically as a byproduct of that context. It's actually not a matter of willpower. It is an automated response that is directly rooted in the neuroscience of your brain. But if you don't have a clear vision, or if you have one, but it's stuffed in a drawer somewhere and you never think about it or you haven't looked at it, then there is at best a convoluted connection to how the sacrifices you're you're trying to get yourself to make today forward you towards something that you care about. You don't see the connection, and so it becomes virtually impossible to motivate ourselves. Um People always tell me, they'll say, Rory, I always struggle with self-discipline in this area of my life or that area of my life or yada, yada, yada. And the truth is, they almost never struggle from a lack of discipline. We all have discipline. It's just what they struggle from is a lack of vision. Discipline becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. So it's not that we either have it or we don't have it. We all have it. The question is, is it activated? And we think it's activated through iron will or, or through brute force or strength or mental toughness. It's not. It is activated in a much easier way. It is simply by thinking about and and percolating on the thing that you want most in life and then allowing yourself to be drawn towards it and be willing to make the sacrifices along the way. So think long-term. It's that simple.
1: Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A-game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are, and I'll give them to you. In my new four steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps. And you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now. And four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself. And I'll show you how to do it in four steps. So I heard vision. I heard your why, clarity, things like that. How do you connect to that? So is that um, some people have a morning routine and they look at their their, their big, hairy, audacious goal. How are you continuously connecting to that thing that you're driving towards so that you can have the grit to keep showing up each day and pushing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because you hear people talk about their morning routines all the time, which we very much believe in. And uh, I have one, although the last four years we've had two toddlers. And so it's been wildly (laughs) erratic and interrupted. Um, But honestly, to me, where I connect to vision is not in the morning. It's at night. It is the last thing that I think about as I am falling asleep. Like when you turn the lights off or the TV out or whatever, and you finally are like ready to fall asleep, I think about what is the thing that I want most in my life. And it this is something I have done my entire life. So I appreciate your question here about the pragmatic application of this, because Pretty much my life has been a series of impossible achievements for me. So it started out when I was seven years old. I wanted to become a black belt, and that was what I thought about at night. You know, when I grew up, I was raised by a single mom. We lived in a trailer park. Like we didn't, you know, have money. A lot of times we had to, our friends would help us with food and stuff. We never lived on the street, but we were, you know, pretty close to it at times. And my mom used to always tell me, Rory, you will go to college. You'll be the first person to go to college and you will get a full ride scholarship because there's no other way you're going to get there. And so I thought about getting a scholarship. And I remember being in ninth grade and watching the valedictorian and get a scholarship. And I, I thought about that every night about what it would be like to be valedictorian and get a scholarship. And I did, I mean, I was valedictorian. I got a full scholarship to the university of Denver then I got involved with direct sales, right? And it was like, they had these people going across the stage and winning these awards. And I just, I thought about what that would be. And then I saw a speaker and, and I learned about the world championship of public speaking. And I, I thought about what would it be like to win the world championship. And then I walked through the airport and I saw a book on the shelf that was a New York Times bestselling author. And then for five years, I fell asleep thinking about that thing. Uh, and then our our house, which I said, you know, you can see it behind. And obviously, mm-hmm. those of you you can't, you can't you can't see me, but
1: it's not just a fake backdrop. It's not the the same backdrop. I'm just a, Actually,
0: so you want to know what it is? So is it, it is a, a picture of your back? It is a picture. Just, yeah. it is a I picture <laughs> on a green screen. <laughs> so it is. It is our real backyard. I didn't
1: actually know that. That was just a guess.
0: Yeah. Well, it kind of looks I'm like a you little have
1: toddlers. <laughs> like how are toddlers not going like running through the <laughs> back? Because My kids would be running back there with like capes and, you know, yep. the dog and everything.
0: So it's a real it's a picture of our backyard, but it is placed because I'm in a dungeon downstairs in our studio. And yeah. so it makes me feel like I'm outside all day cuz I can see this totally is behind. But um but, you know, for five, uh, well, more than five years, AJ and I dreamed ab- about this place and yada, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it. It's at night. It is actually at night. At night, The last thing. And, 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 you know, when you hear vision, you, hear, you a lot of times, I think when people hear the word vision, it's almost like they think of the corporate jargony version of vision, which is like the vision mm-hmm. statement.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not
0: talking about that. I'm talking about a friggin picture it's more uh, like a visualization it's more I'm like hearing. a visualization um, yeah and, but it's it's also not just a visualization because it is um you know we talk about this of making it vast uh this is actually a technique that we teach in speaking that we learned from Craig Valentine, uh who was one of my mentors. he was the nineteen ninety nine world champion of public speaking and and he said, you know when you're speaking and you're you're describing a scene, make it vast so uh, give them something that is a V of, that they can see visually, um, A that is auditory that they can hear, S that mm-hmm. they can smell, and T that they can touch, V A S T. And so I think of what do I see? What do I hear? Right. Like I would hear in my mind, and the world champion of public speaking is like I would hear that. Yeah. And then what can you smell? Like where are you? What does it smell like? And then what can you touch? Right. And I would. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would feel the heat of the lights from the stage, um, and uh, when it was like the New York Times thing, I would feel um, one of the things that was really important to me when we published "Take the Stairs" was I wanted an embossed cover of the words "Take the Stairs," and it was so important to me because that was what I felt in my vision, ah. and so I, I, I was really important to me. I was like, I, I have to be able to feel the cover because this is. This is what I'm driving for. So it is a visualization, but, you know, a little, you know, use all the senses.
1: Sure. Oh, that's so good. And it's amazing to hear that. It's something you've been doing for years and years and years. I love the. Yeah, my whole life. Yeah, the light that your life has been a series of impossible achievements because it makes it real for everybody else and also closed doors.
0: Right. So it was like I, I didn't win. And ironically, we did not hit number one on The New York Times. We hit number two. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it was still like, okay, we'll take it. You know, we hit number one on wall street journal, number two, but you know, we didn't win the world championship came a second, you yeah. know, didn't end up building the company to a hundred million. We, we built it to eight figures. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's in a way it's like a series of impossible achievements and also a series of heartbreaking disappointments. Like, mm. and there's no difference between the two.
1: Yeah. They go hand it. You don't have one without the other. You don't have one with that. One of the things we talk about is a lot of self-made millionaires on average, they lose all of their wealth two or three times. Mm. Um, And so a lot of people will be on their first time of their business and it fails. And they're like, that's it. I'm out. And it's like, no, no, no. Read the studies. There's a lot of evidence around how many times. And of course, there's people that lose it more than two or three times, four or five, six times. And um, many of the greats, their story has a lot of heartache and a lot of loss financially and otherwise. And so if you're in that moment, if you're in that crunch time um, and you're thinking, maybe this isn't working, uh, now sit back and reevaluate. I don't want you to just keep shoving your foot down harder on the gas pedal. Um, think about where you're going. And this is this thing I'm about to do going to get me to my end result. But what your story is about is is constantly getting close, Uh, not exactly where we wanted to, but look at this amazing opportunity that then presented itself because I ran down this hallway. Before I ask a couple follow-up questions, where is the best place for people to connect with you?
0: Yeah, well, here's what I would say. Brand Builders Group is really dedicated to helping you build your influence. You know, you see we take a long-term approach to everything, But the way we meet everybody, which is the way we met April, is that we do a free call, like a free one-on-one call with people. So, if you go to freebrandcall.com slash pivot me, freebrandcall.com slash pivot me, you can request a call to talk with one of our strategists, and they'll want to just like hear your dream. They'll want to hear your vision. They'll want to hear where are you. And then they'll share like a couple of insights about how our process works to see if the, 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 the methodology that we apply to see if it's, it's relevant to you. So that's what I would say, just go to freebrandcall.com slash pivot me, or, you know, you can, you can always hit me up on Instagram. If you want to ask me personally, like if you want to ask me a question, like just um, DM me on Instagram or something.
1: Sure. And I'll say in that free brand call, they add value right away. That was one of the things that impressed me. And I've connected a lot of people with brand builders group, a lot of you, you have with a lot of my clients. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm coming been. after Lewis Howes. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat him on the leaderboard. <laughs> um, but it's because of the value that I've seen you bring over and over and over again. And even in that brand call, there is a lot of value that is added to them right away. So I I highly recommend that. One thing I want to ask you, Rory, is, um, so we talked about self-sabotage. How do you self-sabotage? And then how do you get yourself out of that?
0: I mentioned earlier that achievement doesn't equal fulfillment. We've talked several times about how, you know, there is no fear when the mission to serve is clear. I really believe that purpose and power and passion and endurance and, you know, strength comes from being willing to serve and being willing to serve others. Um, I think the the biggest challenge that I have in my life is I get so focused on serving the community that I don't do a good enough job serving my like the people close to me. And that is when things get really screwy. Um, I remember John Maxwell told me one time, he said that success is having those who know you the best respect you the most. And so that's the tension I always have to to be aware of and mindful of. And when thing, when things get out of whack, it's not because I'm not serving. It's because I've gotten more focused on serving the masses than serving the people closest to me.
1: And the ratios that, are
0: off. Uh-huh, and that's that's when I'm at my worst. Like that is when I'm not at my, you know, not, or I'm maybe not my worst, but that's why I'm not at my best. And I have to recalibrate that. And you know, I think that it's really easy to use work and impact and the masses as an excuse and almost a barrier to not do the work that's right in front of you at home with your spouse, your kids, you know the chores, and just the monotony of the stuff of running a house, running a family, and anyone who runs a family runs a business. And it has all the same requirements and struggles and challenges, and I think you know you just got to beware of the lure of oh I'm out, you know, winning in the winning in the world of work, and I'm I'm losing in the reality of home.
1: Mm, that's such a good piece. The truth is, is home can be much more challenging at work, um, especially if you're a high performer. You're good at winning. And at home, that's hard to do both with our spouse and having kids is tough. They're the kids, uh net promoter scores are often the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> They're our hardest judges. They're the it, hardest it, ones to win over.
0: It is, you know, um, yeah. but it, it is, it's amazing. I posted this thing on uh Insta about mother's day, about a job description for what it would be like to be a mom. And it was like, you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your boss screams at you for no reason. Uh, everything of your person, all of your personal items will be damaged, stolen, you know, or stained. Misplaced. You will never go to the bathroom alone. You're, yes. You will endure incredible physical pain. Uh, your body will be permanently altered in a way that you may never recover from. Every time you want to renew your contract, you have to go through that pain again. And the pay for this job is zero dollars. But you will have more passion more fulfillment, more purpose, more joy than you have ever had in anything you have ever done. And there's no promotions, there's no changes in job title, but just being a mom is like, it is so deeply rewarding because you are in the most basic and fundamental of every way. You are serving another person. And that is where the purpose of our life comes from.
1: Yeah. Oh, so well said. So well said. Rory, thank you. So much for the information you provided, the, the value that you bring both on this call and just to brand builders group and the world in general. I love your mission. I love what you guys are focused on. It's been such a pleasure working with you and AJ and the team. And, um, I'm excited to see what you guys are up to next. It's uh, every, every time I, every time we connect, it's some other big thing that you guys are a part of that you're succeeding at. So I look forward to seeing what's next for you guys.
0: Well, thank you, April. I mean, it, it's uh, what is next is you. I mean, it is it is having our, our people win and you are someone we're so proud to be associated with. And it's just like, nothing fills us up more than when we get the emails from clients of like, my TED Talk went viral, or I published my book, or yeah, I made yeah. my first thousand dollars from whatever. Like, it's it's and 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 you are amazing you are so intelligent and so service-minded and so powerful and just there is no doubt that everything you're doing will add up and compound and multiply to just become more and more and more so thanks for having us and letting us be a be a part of the journey with you we believe in you
1: thank you rory thank you so much man, my life has been a series of impossible achievements. As soon as he said that line, man, it stuck with me. And I couldn't help but ask myself that question. What have I thought was impossible? And then just wrote it off. Didn't even get in the arena. I had to take a moment to think about that. Rory shared some amazing insights on personal branding, how it's really about creating a legacy, and the study of how 67% of U.S. Americans said they are willing to spend more money on products and services for companies whose founders have a personal brand. Personal branding is corporate branding. It's about both impact and ROI wrapped into one. But I think one of my favorite parts of the interview is when Rory tells the story of running down the hall, a dead sprint running towards a door, then finds that door locked. Everything he's been working so hard for, and he runs right into a locked door. We've all hit those locked doors, but only then Does he see that another door is cracked open? He could have become so discouraged. He could have thrown in the towel. He could have spent his time adding up the cost of the sacrifice in running down that hall. But he gives his head a shake. He looks for another door. at The end of that hallway, his relentless pursuit of the next level and his authentic recount of missing the market times might be one of my favorite parts of Rory Vaden. He's an amazing person. He's a role model to many. And I love working with him and AJ's company. I can't wait to get back to Nashville and do some more work together. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at theaprilgarcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success and until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys
0: are amazing.